Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. So, Father, we thank you today and we commemorate the day of Pentecost, the day long ago, 2,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit came strong upon your followers and your, those who would believe and receive and welcome your spirit and wait upon your spirit so that it comes with great manifestation and demonstration of the spirit's power. So we pray, God, that you move in this place in a manner that your word establishes a foundation so that we might welcome and be receptive to the spirit of God that is to be poured out on all flesh in the last days and that we men and women and children would all be those who manifest the power of your spirit in our lives that we might understand and not work against and not be offended and not walk contrary to your spirit so we pray lord that your word would reveal your purpose and your pleasure according to what the Holy Spirit is to signify and what he is in our lives in this moment. And we say like this, through the Spirit of God, welcome Holy Spirit, welcome to this place. Let us be subject to an atmosphere and a climate that is filled with the Spirit of God and that every other spirit be subject, O God, to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, with our children, in this side of eternity. We pray that you would give us an obedient and submissive, that we might be humble and receive your Holy Spirit so that it has its way in our life and fulfills its purpose with our existence up until the coming of that amazing appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have your way in our lives and transform us according to the power of God. We pray that you would be glorified and celebrated every moment of our lives. Lord, that your word not return void, fulfill the purpose for which you send it. Let it be a good seed planted in good hearts that will produce good fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name, O God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, and the people of God say amen, amen, and amen. First and foremost, Romans 8, 9, we start out with this premise. Why are we making the Spirit of God so elaborate and important in our life? It's because the Bible says that he who has not the Spirit of God doesn't belong to God. It's important that we would, we would establish the truth of God in Romans 8, verse 9. That you could pray like this. You're not in the flesh. We, we've already spent plenty of time in the flesh, but we are in the Spirit. God bless you. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, that's, that's, what the, that's what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit... Uh, it calls you the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the temple should not be empty. It should be indwelt by the Spirit of God. And the manifestations of your life should be such that the fruit of the Spirit are seen. And, and that's evidence that you're supernatural. You're walking not in the flesh. The works of the flesh are plenty. But the fruit of the Spirit is what reveals you and who you belong to look what it says here if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he is not his he says he's deposited his holy spirit as the down payment for the purchase of what belongs to god so in that regards we're saying lord i want to know a little bit more of how the holy spirit is bringing me into the purpose of God. I, I always like to mention at the first point there in Genesis 1-1, because I believe it's important to uh, 
the work of the Holy Spirit, the very beginning of the Bible says, in the beginning, God, that Hebrew word Elohim is the plurality of God. Uh, El is God single. Ella is God dual, two person. But Elohim is the three persons of the Godhead. It's very particular that in the very first verse of the Bible, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are there at the beginning. And these three in conjunction, coming together, created the heavens and the earth. Uh, a lot of people could understand the Father. Jesus has been ample in his ministry and person, so people understand Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and for years, I remember when I first got to church, a brother came up to me and says, you got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, like Casper, the friendly ghost? What, what do you mean the ghost? They didn't understand. They didn't know how to explain this. A lot of people find it strange that there is a third person in the Godhead called the Holy Spirit, often referred to as the Holy Ghost. The reason why people don't know him enough or in depth is that he, watch this, this is very important, you put it down in your notes, the most selfless person in the universe is the Holy Spirit. He's not going to talk about himself and he won't barge in uninvited. You have to welcome him. You have to, um, we see him in the form of a dove coming upon Jesus the day of Jesus' baptism. So a lot of people says, be careful how you walk around a dove because you'll scare it away. It will fastly be up and moving along if it's not welcomed and received. If you're not, if you're not intentional about this third person of the Godhead, but super important, super powerful, how it's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of sin. If you... If you're relegated to not receive the ministry of the Spirit of God, you will fight this persuasion and conviction. He wants to tell you that you're not walking in a manner that pleases God. And you should be receptive to that, super sensitive. And there has been people in history that are super sensitive to the Spirit of God. And, and always present, omnipresent. He has the same character attribute of the Godhead. He's everywhere at the same time, omnipresent. So in that regard, wherever you are in life, you can say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the things that are unseen. Show me what I'm supposed to know. Show me what I'm supposed to say. Show me what are not seen with the natural eyes so that the eyes of my spirit are enlightened. And so it's this partnership with the Holy Spirit that actually leads you into the purpose of God. The, the, from the first point of repentance, you couldn't do that without the Holy Spirit. That, that, is, the, that is the manifest presence of God that is giving you the heartbeat of God in every realm. And so fine it is in verse 2 of Genesis 1, not only that in the beginning God, Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the heavens and the earth, but in verse 2, when there is the consequence of great travesty and destruction, why do I say that? Because in Bible, verse 2 of the Bible, it says the earth was without form and empty, void. We know that God, when he creates things, doesn't create things without form. So something must have happened between verse 1 and verse 2 of the Bible. These two attributes of without form, tohu and bohu, which are the Hebrew words for without form and void, is the work of Satan. 
He is the one that distorts and disfigures and makes people not have their form. Have you seen somebody filled with the devil begins to contort and he doesn't look like himself, like herself, and begins to take a form not pleasing, but rather bizarre. And here the earth became disfigured, distorted, totally twisted, and darkness was upon the face of the earth there in the depth of its existence. What what do we see in verse 2? It says, and the Spirit of God was first responder. God sent His Spirit to places broken, distorted, desolate, without form, empty. That's like a desert wilderness. And so that's the lives of a lot of people that rebel against God. Their their lives don't have any definition. They're without restraint, without boundaries, without anything. Uh, If it's a man, it could easily become a woman. And now they're proposing not even man or woman, but it's an it. Now it's lost all its definition. And that is the work of a spirit of rebellion. So when the earth was without form and void, we know that Satan had fallen from heaven and now here upon the earth was wreaking havoc. And the Lord sends his spirit to begin to do the work of God. And the spirit of God gives place for the son. Who's the son? He's the word made flesh. And God speaks the word in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. So we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit coming in a place of disorder and disarray. We see the word spoken from the mouth of God, let there be light, and there was light. And God begins to do a great work upon the planet. We've only covered the first three verses of the Bible. If we didn't have these three verses, we would be super lost. But because of the Spirit of God, we're super found. Because he's an excellent servant. And so here it is, the the scripture that I have for you today that reveals the most selfless person in the world, is in the universe, is the Holy Spirit. And here, God has to do something And I want to mention this up front because since the Holy Spirit is not going to defend himself, he's not going to fight these battles. The Lord says like this, he says, the only unforgivable sin, what? The only sin that God will not forgive you for is when you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. And and sometimes our rebellion leads us to that place where the Holy Spirit is minimized so it doesn't do its work in your life, and that is when you speak against it. There in Mark chapter 3, verse 22 As Jesus was doing miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit, the scribes, the religious leaders of the day came down. There's nothing worse than being a religious leader that doesn't know the Spirit of God. There's a lot of those in our day. They want to teach what they know not. He has the power of just Bezebub, And by the ruler of demons, he cast out these demons. So they begin to speak contrary to the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, hey, wait a second, buddies. Verse 28, you are overstepping your bounds. I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men. Whatever blasphemy they might utter i'm still ashamed before i became a a christian how i was speaking against god and the spirit of god in my unbelief in my rebellion in my disobedience 
I begin to make fun of the people of God and mock believers and, and totally cynical against anything Bible, anything God. So I was really inclined to darkness in my ignorance. And he says, all that will be forgiven men. Verse 29, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. And this person will go to condemnation eternally. Now, this has two things to it. Number one, a lot of people say, well, have I ever done that? If the Holy Spirit is still telling you to repent, you haven't done that. If the Holy Spirit is still pointing out areas of your life that you're not pleasing God, you still have not gotten into the place where the Holy Spirit is not contending because the Bible says the Spirit of God will not contend forever with men. So be sensitive to every time the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. Um, Paul describes it as don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't bring sadness to his presence in your life. But Jesus is telling them, listen, you are on the verge of crossing over to the land of no return. What's that mean? You're talking against the Spirit of God. Why? It says it there. Um, verse 29. We did that. Verse 30. Jesus said this because the scribes were saying that he was casting out demons through an unclean spirit. They were, they, were, they were talking derogatory. They were diminishing the dignity and the worth of the spirit of God. And that's why he comes out with that verse and he says like this. He says, listen, you guys are about to overstep your bounds. You can even... Matthew 12, 32, you can talk about about Jesus all you want. But make sure you're not offending the Spirit of God. Uh, let's go to Matthew 12, 32. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against Jesus, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Again, the land of no return. You, you've gone far into a realm that now God cannot do his work in your life. Um, we see that Hebrews 10.29 says that there's great punishment. The punishment of no repentance. For those who think, he says, how much worse punishment do you think someone deserves who tramples the Son of God underfoot counts the blood of the covenant by which he sanctified common and insults the spirit of grace. The very instrument of God that's leading you to the place you should be before God, and that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading you to the place where you will be found in a manner that pleases God, and there's going to be motive of great celebration when we finally are received up in heaven. That you be conscious of the fact, not only that there is a Holy Spirit, but that you're in relationship with that Spirit of God. And the manifest attributes of the character of God are seen in your life by what the Holy Spirit brings to memory. There in Ephesians 4.30, Paul says, make sure whatever you do, don't be, don't bring sadness to the Holy Spirit of God. Because it's the Holy Spirit that God sealed you with for the day of redemption. You have that stamp on your forehead that you belong to God. And the Spirit of God is doing a good work in your life. And you're moving in that direction. Um, these are things that, that are not... It's, it's, it's said that you're not to be taught by the natural things alone. The, the, one of the names for the Holy Spirit, he will teach you those things. So 
So are you a good student? Are you allowing yourself to be taught? Because if you are not teachable, if you're incorrigible, if you walk insulting the spirit of grace, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, if you're asking him, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself upon you. So super important that you yield, that you, you reserve yourself to be led by him. And so we have the example in Hebrews 12, 17, that Esau would not allow himself to be taught led instructed and he got to the place you know afterwards he wanted God's blessing but was rejected and found no place to repent even though he pled with tears we've seen this happen in the lives of people that sit there and say you know something I don't feel God no more that's a horrendous thing to not feel God if, if you're in that spiritual condition Come before the altar of God. And I, I've seen this happen in the life of young people who tell me I was on my knees and I began to weep before the Lord and, and say what, what David said in Psalm 51. He says, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. Cast me not from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me because it's the only hope that I can move in a manner that pleases the Father. It's, a, it's the Holy Spirit's ministry to connect us with God the Father. And if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, you're disconnected. You don't carry the Father's concern in your life. And so we see Esau, he gave away his inheritance, and then later on he wanted it, and there was no place for him to receive it. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we see there the transformation in our lives is happening because of the Spirit's work in our life. It says, all with unhypocritical faces, we're not wearing masks, with unveiled faces, we're looking as in the mirror the glory of the Lord. We see his reflection. We see what Jesus looks like, and we're being transformed into Jesus' image, the same image from glory to glory. Each day, a greater expression of his image is taking place in my life as by the Spirit of the Lord. As the a, as a Spirit of the Lord guides you, you are more and more doing what pleases the Father. Okay, so if we have this selfless Godhead the triune being of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if we have this selfless person that's leading us in this way, the way you miss the Spirit of God that is selfless is by being selfish. He's not going to be part of your agenda. He's teaching you to deny yourself because that's what Jesus was doing. Not my will. Not what I want. Not where I want, not when I want, not with who I want. Spirit of God, lead me, teach me, show me. One of the words there that, that is the name of the Holy Spirit is paracleto. Para, alongside, cleto, that he sustains you. The one who walks along with you as you go in the journey. That's one of the things that's been so powerful about the born-again experience, being born of the water and of the Spirit, is that the Spirit of God is strong upon us. It's, it's, it's a supernatural. It distinguishes us from other people. That Spirit of God that we are constantly hearing His voice, receiving His teaching. Um, there in 1 John 2.27, He says, not that other people will teach you, but God's presence, which you have received from him, abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you way before anyone tells you that what you're doing is wrong. The Holy Spirit is already on there. He's, he's tugging your heart. 
That's evidence of our life in Christ. You don't need someone to come and tell you what the Spirit of God is already telling you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning, say with me, all things. There's not a realm where the Holy Spirit is not going to be pressing on your heart to be pleasing God. Just every thought, every word, every action, every relationship, every circumstance. The, the people who have been delivered from greatest calamities upon the earth said, you know something? Something told me not to go there. Some, someone told, some, I felt that I wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't supposed to say that. I wasn't supposed to. So th- you say, well, how did that happen? There's people that are sensitive to the spirit of God. And he's going to teach us concerning all things. It says, and is true and is not a lie. That, that, that is so powerful. I was sitting, and this is a place where a lot of lies are, are said. It was at a car dealer. And the guy was trying to sell me a car. And he says, this is the price. I said, I beseech you in the name of the Lord, by the spirit of God, for you to tell me the truth. And you know what he did? He grabbed the invoice and he says, this is what we paid for. It was like $10,000 less. And I'll charge you $500 over our invoice. He couldn't lie in the presence of the Spirit of God. Listen, for a car dealer salesman not to be able to lie is because the Holy Spirit is strong. (laughs) Only in that presence. And so it's powerful when your life is governed by the Spirit of God. And then the people say, well, Pastor, how do you know? Listen, Holy Spirit is strong in my life. Strong in my life. You can lie and lie and lie, and you're not lying to me. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to the Spirit of God. That's that's what happened in Acts chapter 8, chapter 9 also. It says, they lied to the Holy Spirit, and they instantly fell dead. Husband and wife team. New Testament. If you're, oh, you're, 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 God is killing people. Absolutely God will kill you. You don't lie to the Holy Spirit and get away with it. It's better. Don't, don't tell you God told you to leave your husband or your wife. Don't tell God told you to leave the church. Don't say you didn't like that place and you didn't come back. Don't put God in it. Don't don't allow the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a spirit that speaks truth. He doesn't lead to disobedient rebellion. Say you felt like not coming back. Don't don't mix God in it. You miss your opportunity for repentance in that case. So there it is. He's going to teach us all things, the things that please the Lord. You're not going to have to allow anybody else to teach you. We said that it's such a a supernatural expression, Ephesians 5.18, where Paul says, be drunk, not with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do, do the, the, the word here, do not be drunk. A lot of people used wine as, a, um, as an ingredient to be able to numb yourself. And, and find comfort in drunkenness. That's why the people say, you know, they're, they're drinking away their sorrows. Listen, don't take your sorrows to wine. Take them to the place where the joy of God will be your strength. It's the Holy Spirit that will... I, I can tell a person filled with the Holy Spirit because they're never sad. doesn't matter what's happening. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so you know that at deep sorrows... It's only the Spirit of God that lifts you up. It's not drugs or alcohol. It's not wine, strong drink. The, the ep- opiate crisis of our nation is because fathers have not taught their children to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're carrying great sorrow to the tomb of suicide. They're, they are overdosing on things that do not give life, we need to overdose on the Holy Ghost. We need to fill ourselves to a strong measure and be filled with the Spirit of God 
to have the evidence of being under the influence. And so we're not without hope. One of the names of the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Hope. He, he ushers in an expression. I've seen this so many times. People that have contacted, I just got a phone call uh, of, of what happened in Pueblo, Colorado. This week, I was talking to one of the leaders over there. He says, do you remember that older man that came to the front and he was overwhelmed by the spirit of sorrow and grief unto suicide? Suicidal. And so our visitation in the men's conference to Pueblo, Colorado, they called me this week. They said, that man, something happened when you prayed for him. That spirit is no longer tormenting him. It was, it was renounced by the power of God's spirit. Every miracle of Jesus was performed by the power of the Spirit of God. If you want to see miracles, then be filled with His Spirit, and God will use you mightily. If you don't see miracles in your life, you are cultivating the flesh more. You're walking in the power of man's strength and not God's. So here, the day of Pentecost, we rejoice as we just touch lightly upon the substance of God's provision in his spirit. And Jesus knew that we would be better equipped. John 16, verse 5, I am going to him who sent me. I'm going back to the Father. And none of you are asking me, where are you going? Verse 6, but because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your hearts. Taking complete possession of your hearts, it says in the Amplified. But I tell you the truth. Verse 7. You are at an advantage. It is to your advantage that I not be present and I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter, the helper, the paracleto, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener. That who will stand by you every moment will not come. I'm leaving so another one comes. And there he says, um, but if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship. Well, how close is this fellowship, Lord? John 14, 18 says like this. So close that you will not feel lonely. The loneliness in this world is the number one most destructive force upon the human being. It doesn't matter if you're surrounded by a lot of people, you could still be lonely. And he has says that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that you would not be left as an orphan without comfort, full of sorrow, without help. I'll, I'm going to make sure I don't leave you as orphans. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's going to be next to you the whole time. Now, verse 8, in the company, John 6, 16, 8, says, in the company of the Spirit of the Lord, he's constantly going to be convicting the world of sin. He's going to tell you where things are wrong. It's a healthy existence that you have the Spirit of God addressing your life, telling you the things that don't please the Father. Get one amen in a Christian church. That's fine. That's revival. No, people don't like to be told when they're wrong. And that's the greatest gift that the Spirit of God brings to your life. And if you're not receptive being told what's right, it is equated to a, a eunuch who is getting the bride prepared to meet the king. The king doesn't like that perfume. The king doesn't like that dress. The king doesn't like that jewelry. The king doesn't like that haircut. The king doesn't like those heels. The king doesn't like that 
that fabric. And so if you're not being subtle and sensitive to the Spirit of God, you're not being transformed. He doesn't like that conversation. He doesn't like that attitude. You can say the right thing with the wrong attitude and you're just plain wrong. So in the manner of the Spirit of God, He's going to convict the world of things wrong, but don't, don't undermine His capacity to, He has come to convict the world of sin, but He's come to convict the world of righteousness. He not only tells you what the king doesn't like, He tells you what the king likes. Oh, you're doing good in this area. That pleases the Lord. That was awesome. Keep doing that. I can't wait to see the harvest of your life. Denying self. Becoming like me, selfless, the Holy Spirit says. He's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. He's going to convict the world, verse 8, of judgment. This is what it's going to be like on that day. How horrible that you would not have changed and instead of receiving reward, you receive judgment. The penalty of not listening to God. You don't want that. Be- between him telling you what's wrong and what's right, you are, you are hitting the bullseye. So on the day of judgment, you'll be praised and not told, depart from me. I sent you my messengers. I sent you my Holy Spirit. I sent you conviction of what I liked and what I didn't like. And you persisted. You persisted in in not listening to my voice through my spirit. Why in this regards? Verse 10 about righteousness. Because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Concerning judgment. Because the ruler of this world has been judged and condemned. Verse 12, I, Jesus, have more things to say to you, but right now you can't handle them. If I've only gone into your life a little bit and you're having issues with it, imagine when I go to where we need to go. How many know that God's spirit has to go there? I had a friend of ours in ministry, he got raped as a young boy. And he had come to Jesus and he had been transformed and he partnered with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit began to speak to him because he wanted to be a woman. Now he was a man. Now he became a husband and a father. The Holy Spirit was doing a glorious work in his life, was transforming him totally. And 10 years into that relationship, he says, now let's go deeper. What's deeper, Lord? Let's go to forgive that man who raped you. And he's like, That's too deep. I'm not ready to go there right now. And a lot of people, the Holy Spirit wants to go deep in your life. Superficially, you're rejecting him. So he can't, he says, I can't give you the many things I have to say because you can't bear them right now. You're not prepared to go to the deep end of the pool when you are drowning in the kiddie pool. So a lot of people don't understand the deep things of God. And a lot of people want to, and they tell me all the time, well, I want to understand the the deep things of God. I said, listen, you're drowning right now with a cup. You're not prepared to have the real burdens laid upon you. You can barely carry what you're carrying right now. But the Holy Spirit does a phenomenal work if you allow him to. And he will reveal the things that are to be revealed. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth, when you're ready to speak truth, he will guide you into every level of truth for he will not speak of his own authority he's selfless whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you the things that are to come this is a great great expression of servanthood doesn't have an opinion and is only speaking the things that are given for him to speak a a lot of people always ask me they say pastor what do you think about this i go you don't want to know what i think You don't want to know my opinion. I I might have a wrong opinion. You want to know what God thinks. You want to have God's opinion because that is wholesome. That's a blessing. Uh, A lot of people have to learn not to speak 
what is not their story to tell. Do that, do that in the coming days, months, and years. It's going to deliver you of a lot of headaches. When somebody says, hey, did you hear about someone? It's not my story to tell. I'm not going to get into the gossip. I'm not going to get into the exchange. I don't know if what they're saying is true. I don't know if it's helpful. I, I, I don't know what destruction is going to become of this conversation. So let someone else tell that story. I'm not going to engage. That will be pleasing to the Lord. That, that will deliver you from a lot of headache of meddling in affairs you have no business. The truth, um, the spirit of truth will come and guide you to all truth. He's not going to speak of his own. Verse 14, he will bring me to the center. He will glorify, he will honor me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. That's when you become a vessel of the spirit of God. What, what does Jesus say? How is Jesus affected by what is being told and what is going on? A lot of people are not in that level of ministry because they're filled with themselves. They're filled with what they want to opine, their opinion. They want to declare what they know, what they see, what they feel. They want to get that off their chest. No, what does God think about what's taking place? Let us be vessels in his hands. Verse 15, he says, all things that the Father has are mine, Jesus says. Because of this, I said that he, the Spirit, will take from what is mine and reveal it to you. Um, As we continue to celebrate this day, our great expectation is seen there in Acts 2.17. As the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost... They were asking them, what is this? Now let's go to verse 16. And Peter makes a reference to the Old Testament in the book of Joel. As they're receiving the day of Pentecost, it was a glorious, they they were still, they were in one place, in one accord, and they were waiting on the Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them in the form of fiery tongues they they were speaking in tongues and people were these guys are drunk and and what is taking place here he says this is what was spoken by the prophet joel what did the prophet joel speak verse 17 that it shall come to pass stay with me in the last days so two thousand years ago when the holy spirit came in the day of pentecost is characterized in that, in that column of God's economy as the last days. A lot of people ask me, hey, pastor, you think we're living the last days? I said, yeah. And it started on the day of Pentecost. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit, God says, on all flesh. So that young sons and daughters begin to speak God's word. I praise God for my sons and daughters, both biologically and spiritually as they desire the things of God they 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 plan out their lives not according to this world but according to God's spirit and that is because the last days he would pour out his spirit on all flesh your young men shall see visions your old men shall be revealed dream dreams these last days events are the evidence of the Spirit of God coming forth upon His people. So we say like this, this is our expectation. Romans 8, 11, that if that same Spirit, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, if the Spirit of Jesus who was raised from the uh, dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. A power that raised Christ from the dead is prepared dwelling in you to raise you from the dead and give life to your mortal bodies. Now, all I can say is that as we scratch the surface, because truly 
what we've talked about till now is just the surface. If we scratch the surface and we could go even deeper, the expressions of what will blossom and be fruitful in our lives through our intimacy with the Spirit of God far surpasses anything that you can imagine. The limits of what God wants to do in your life in, in revelation as he reveals and unravels the enigmas, the, the darkness upon the earth is unraveled by the power of his spirit. So he says in the Old Testament that it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Quit walking in your own strength, your own capacity, your own thoughts. We, we can tell a life filled by the Spirit of God, the word I is eliminated. Because I do, and I come, and I go, and I, and I, and I. You're more like the devil every time you come to the forefront. But... Let it be that we diminish and that Christ increases in us. Let people see more of Christ in you so that they can reveal that the Spirit is working strong. He says, the greatest amongst you would be a servant. That's the Holy Spirit. When you are in line with his disposition, you become great in regard. God is able to entrust you to larger measure. We have all manner of things to say concerning this, but I think we've said enough. I think that it's enough to be able to say, Lord, I need to move the Holy Spirit to the forefront of my priorities, to the front burner. Let him be the one who initiates my thoughts. Because when... You're not filled by the Spirit of God. You move in a spirit contrary to selflessness. And then it becomes all about you. What I want, what I feel, and what I think. I, I love the, the scriptures of the prophetic anointing of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers empowers you to levels you didn't even think possible. And in that regards there, we will read Isaiah 11, verse 2. When the Spirit of the Lord rests upon you, then you're going to have a spirit of wisdom. Now, now it's not your thoughts. Now you're thinking like God. That's the power of having the spirit of wisdom. Number two, you're going to have the spirit of understanding. Things will be revealed to you. You don't have to be perplexed and overwhelmed. You'll have the spirit of counsel, of, of, of having the counsel of God in your every decision. You're going to have the spirit of might. You're going to have strength that is supernatural upon your life. You're going to have the spirit of knowledge. You're going to have greater weight and measure of the fear of the Lord. Verse 3, he continues to say, His delight is the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what he sees with his eyes. You're not going to be, uh, Spanish people call it, busca pleito. You're not going to be looking for things that carnal people look at. Some people say, hey, did you see what's on Facebook? Did you see what they said? No! Why? Because the Holy Spirit's not leading me to read garbage. I'm not a bottom dweller. Don't ask me if I'm reading what a fool posts on the internet. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't eat there. And I appreciate you not telling me. Because that's not the company I keep. If I wanted that company, I would stay in darkness. If I wanted that fodder, I call it the serpent's fodder, his food, then I would hang out with devils. But I don't have an appetite for pornography. I don't have an appetite for gossip. 
I don't have an appetite for the fool who speaks foolishness, ignorance. Because the Spirit of God doesn't lead me there. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are precious and virtuous, the things that please God is where the Spirit of God leads me. That's the fellowship I keep. I've told some Christians, I don't hang out with you. Why not? Because the Holy Spirit is not in your company. In your exchange, I get defiled. I feel dirty. I feel unclean. I feel that I'm not pleasing God. So we know that the Spirit of God is still working as long as men and women are repenting. That's evidence that the Spirit of God is here. I've seen some people come to this place and say the Spirit of God is not moving here because people are not doing backflips and speaking the voice of the loudest out of their, as, as loud as they can in tongues. The biggest devils I've known have done that. Rebellious, disobedient men. Proud, arrogant men. So we know that the Spirit of God is with us when we're walking in a manner that pleases God. He delights in the fear of God. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide matters by what he hears with his ears. This Spirit is awesome. Verse 4, but with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall slay the wicked. That's my ministry right there. That's my ministry. Full with the Holy Ghost. You're wicked. You're done. And if you want to feel the refreshment of his presence, then repent. And then you're going to see the glory of God and his goodness, his patience. But you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. Because the Spirit of the Lord is not only grieve, but he will not contend with men forever. Father, thank you for this message this morning. We celebrate you. We celebrate the Son and His sacrifice on the cross, His obedience to the Father. We celebrate the Holy Spirit, which continues to work in the hearts of men, calling them back to God and perfecting the saints so they're equipped as the temple of God, filled by the Spirit of God, moving in those things that please the Father. We pray that we would become those people in the last days. We would be known by the power of the Spirit of God that abides in us and through us, and is perfecting us in every regard. We glorify you, we bless you, we celebrate you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're welcome in our hearts, in our lives, in our marriages, in our finances. Restore, renew, make all things shine with the splendor of his glory, evidence that you are at work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God say amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.